Welcome. Good morning, church. It is good to be here. I'm glad you are to see your faces and those joining us online. We're closing out a year. If you are like me, which I imagine you are, this year had its ups and it had its downs, highs and lows. That's the way years tend to work. But I am grateful that he was with me every step of the way through the highs and the lows. We serve a God that is near to us, no matter what stage of year we're in, of life we're in, and where our head is at. He is there. He is faithful. Whew, am I glad for that. All right, let's go to the Word. Praise await you, our God in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. Who formed the mountains by your power? Having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, wherever evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, as we close out this year and head off into a new, new year, Lord God, we thank you. First and foremost, for your faithfulness throughout this year, faithfulness to this church, faithful to individuals. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would bless this service, Lord God, and every part of it, Lord God. From our worship, may we lift our voices in praise to the word as Jason brings it. Bless his heart. Bless his word. Help us to hear it. Place it into our hearts and our minds. Not leave it there, but. Take it out into this world that needs it so desperately. Lord God, may everything we do, everything we say here today, lift your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, if you would, please, as we recite our creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I invite you to stay standing and join us as we 
sing and invite God's presence into our midst. Sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who seeks to hold us.
We are going to take a moment and pray this morning. Um, You could stay standing. You could sit. I was impressed that sometimes we sing words that we don't feel, um, but we continue to sing because we know they're true. So this morning, God, we just praise your name. Psalm 71 says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts. Sovereign Lord, I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. God, we give you glory this morning. Lord, our Father, we praise your mighty name. God, I thank you that you are our shield, you are our strength, and you are our protector. And Lord, I pray that your presence and your Holy Spirit would fill this place. God, today is a day where people reflect back And people see today as an opportunity to start fresh and start anew and make changes. God, I thank you that you are the God who stays the same. But your mercies are new every morning. And God, I pray for those here today that are in need of new mercies. God, I pray that you would just heal bodies today. That you would speak to hearts that you would move mountains that are just impossible. And I pray that we would run to you to find refuge and life. You are faithful. God, I pray that you would soften hearts today, that we may hope again and renew our passion for you and our desire for you. Lord, I pray for those who have grown weary Lord, that we would rise up with a new strength and a joy and that as a church and as a people, we would dream again. God, I thank you that you have changed our name. You have called us, you love us, and you want us. We are yours. God, I pray that you would just turn our ears to you this morning. Lord God, that the word would just go forth with power Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would be in it, and that we would just hear your voice, and that you would speak individually to us and as a body. Be magnified in this service. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a moment and greet somebody this morning.
Good morning. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We're glad you're with us online as well, so thank you for joining us. If you're new here, we would love to get to know you a little bit better. You can scan the QR code in your bulletin and fill out an information card, or you can head over to the Information Center, and there is a gift waiting for you there, um, because we are glad you're here. So thank you for being here. A few announcements. Um, we are still on recess from Youth and Awana, so that will not be meeting today. Um, also, Bible study is recessed for this week, but a new study will be beginning on January 10th, and Pastor Jerry will be leading that study, so you are invited to start a new chapter in a new year. Um, He will be talking about um, the nation of Israel, the book of Exodus, um, all things that are timeless and timely, so we pray that you would be a part of that Wednesday nights at um, 7 o'clock. And... Finally, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for the ways that you've enabled us to observe this season of Advent together. We thank you for you being here. We thank you for your giving. Even things like um, having devotionals um, for all of our families throughout the Advent season, Um, you make things like that possible. So we are very grateful for that. Um, Just a reminder as well, it is December 31st, so that means if you would like to give a tax-deductible gift um, for this year, today's your last day. So um, you can do that online. You can text to give. There are um, lots of ways to do that if you're um, wanting to do that before the end of the tax year, but we are um, very, very grateful for all of the ways that you support us here, that you are a part of this family, that we can um, love each other and love our community and spread the good news. So on that note, let's stand together as we continue to worship.
Usually we end our services with communion. We're going to do it a little differently today. But as we, we sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Um, we invite God's... Scripture teaches that where people praise, God's Spirit inhabits that. And so through singing is, a, is one of the ways we invite God's presence into our midst. But in a very real, tangible sense, communion is that as well. Uh, because when Jesus was with his disciples, and I'm going to invite the elders, if you guys could come forward to, to serve. When Jesus was talking about this meal with his disciples, he told them, he told the disciples that the bread was his body, the, the wine or the grape juice, if you will, were, which we have, just in case you were wondering, was his blood. And that when they would eat that meal, they, were, they should remember him. What he was saying was, I'm with you. You're inviting me into your presence. And so when we share communion, we tangibly are inviting God's presence into our midst. Some of you grew up Catholic, and there are traditions which uh, believe, um, I'm not going to get into the theological words because I don't pronounce it well, but believe that the body, the, 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 the cracker and the, the grape juice become the body, tangibly actually become the body and the blood of Jesus. We don't, we don't necessarily teach that. If you believe that, that's fine. It doesn't, it's not a, it's not a counter to anything wrong, but it's either you believe it's a symbol of his presence or it's his actual presence it's still an invitation of his presence and so today is all about invitation just i'm going to tease my message it's all about experience invitation and experience and so i'm going to invite you to come forward right now and receive the elements so that we can in this way experience his presence and so please do come forward if you're new with us uh follow the leaders and if you're not comfortable sharing uh in communion this morning that's okay just stay with us and 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 uh continue hopefully you can continue to enjoy the service but as you come forward they're going to continue to sing that song Oh, 
scripture teaches us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. It was a traditional meal and it was a traditional bread and he took the bread and he broke it. If you've ever seen matzah, you know it's easy to break. And that's what he was eating. It was unyeasted bread and so he broke it. And he told his disciples that that bread was his body, which was about to be broken for them. And they would have understood the, the prophecies from the Old Testament, specifically from the book of Isaiah, where it says that by his stripes, by his body, the beating that his body would take, the brokenness of his body was for their healing. And so as he watched, as they watched him break the bread, there would have been a, a like a, oh, I'm watching his body be broken. And then they literally watched, in a few hours, watched his body be broken. And there's an understanding. There's an understanding of knowing that. We talk about it each week. But to have experienced it for the disciples must have been incredible. The emotions that they were feeling, the despair, the hope, the the unsurety, the lack of conviction, all of the things that were going through their minds had to have been incredible. And then they saw him again when he rose again. And all of the hope that must have fluttered in those moments when they watched him die must have come rushing back like raging waters in their body and in their hearts and in their spirit. Because now it wasn't just something they had heard might happen. It was something they had experienced. There's something about there's something deeper than just knowing that Jesus exists and he died for you. When you experience the love of Jesus, things come rushing in. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I pray that we would experience your love this morning. That we wouldn't just talk about it, that we wouldn't just uh, know about it intellectually, but there would be a manifestation, an understanding, an experience of your presence in such a real way that there would be an undeniable excitement and passion for you. By your stripes we are healed. Lord, I pray that the healing power of the Holy Spirit would be manifested here this morning. Would you take the bread with me? It says, after supper, he took the cup. said that this cup is a new covenant in my blood. It was a new way. It was a new experience. Would you pray with me, Jesus? We want all that you have for us to experience. We want... We pursue, we desire, we ask for the abundance, fullness of life that you promise. In your name we pray. Would you take the cup? Would you sing that chorus one more time with us? Nathan, would you lead us in that one more time?
experience with you. God, that this wouldn't be a mundane, habitual, go to church out of a requirement idea, but that this morning there would be a real sense of you ushering us into your, the next phase of your, of your experience with us, that we would have a tangible sense that you love us, that you're working in us and working through us, and that we would be changed and we would be passionate about what you're doing in our lives. Be honored by what we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church while they're going. Check out this video. Welcome to Faith Discovery Church. If we haven't met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here, and it is an honor that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your New Year's Eve with us. It's Happy New Year's. We, we thought about bringing a big ball in today and dropping it, but Hackettstown's dropping a big M&M tonight, and you can't beat dropping a big M&M, so I figured why... Why try to go against it? But we're glad that you're here. Hopefully you enjoy or you get, uh, find value or you really experience God's presence as you're here today. But I, I want to thank you for being here because your presence here actually, one thing I can guarantee you, it makes other people's church experience better. You being here makes the rest of our church experience better. So thank you for being here. I hope it's good for you, but you being here is good for the rest of us. So thank you for being here. Um, and for those of you joining online, you're a part of our community. Thank you for being here. Uh, I know I say this every week, but I really do. I, I love to go home on Sunday afternoons while every, well, not everybody in my house is watching football. Joy's not watching football. But while some people in my house are watching football, I'm flipping through the Facebook feed to see the conversations that happen online and check in with people who visit us online. It's, it's a valuable part of our community, and thank you so much. You are part of our family, and we love you. Um, uh, so, okay. Today's, today's message, today's service is going to be a little different. Um, uh, it's, uh, first of all, we're going to talk about the miraculous today. And 
Typically, if you're new with us, what we tend to do is we work off of what I call a preaching calendar. Each each year, I break the, the year into three sections called trimesters. And we focus on a theme during those trimesters in a number of different series, usually three, four, five weeks at a time. We'll focus on a thing, but it's overall looking at uh, trying to unpack, peel, learn more about how, what the Bible teaches us about a specific theme. So for, for instance, this year in 2023, uh, if you were with us, some of you remember that our, fir- that our, tr- uh, our first trimester theme was, what is God saying to us? Um, and during that first trimester, you may remember we, wa- we talked about how God wants to bless us. Uh, we, Joy preached and she talked about digging ditches. Joy's digging ditches message people still talk to me about. People talk to me about Joy's digging ditches message more than they talked about anything I talk about. And I'm not jealous about that at all. Actually, I think that was a, that was a, that was a foundational moment in our church's story, uh, the day we talked about, uh, digging ditches. But, uh, we looked at, uh, the teeth, the parables of Jesus, uh, during Lent, if you remember Lent last year. And then our second trimester theme was, what is God requiring of us? So we talked about what is God saying to us. Then we looked at what is God requiring of us. And um, we talked. We looked at the book of James, and we talked about how God transforms us. And we spent the summer deep diving through the Ten Commandments. Um, our third trimester, which ends today, has been about what God is offering to us. And so we talked about what Paul found in Jesus. And how we can find the, those things too. We looked at how Jesus is with us through suffering and how God offers us a partnership as he reveals Jesus to the world through us and how God welcomes us to the table. And then through Advent, we saw how God offers us a different way to live. And so I want to talk today about one other thing that I, another thing that God offers us and that's the miraculous. In October, I was driving um, through uh, the, the the hills, through the curves, and I. Some of you like to run to clear your head. Anybody like to run to clear your head? I know people like that. I don't understand them. I drive to clear my head. Sometimes I'll just say, uh, whether it's it's uh, time in the office or time at home, I'll just say to drive, I need to go for a ride. And I will get in the car and I will drive nowhere. And I'll put worship music on and I'll just start to pray and think and just try to listen. Because one of the things I've learned, I hope you've learned as well, our prayer time isn't just a one-way thing it's not just us talking to god it, they're, they're, god speaks to us and so i find that when i'm driving through the wilderness of northwest new jersey i it's my way of just clearing my mind with with the lord and so i was driving through in october and i do this periodically and i was uh the song god of miracles was on and i was Seeing that and praying, and I felt like God challenged me that the one thing that God offers us that I don't want to go towards, I don't want to talk about, is the miraculous. 
And the reason I don't want to talk about that is because that requires faith on the part of the pastor. Because if I tell you we're going to have a service where we're going to open the altars and we're going to allow God to come and do something, what happens if God doesn't do the thing that we ask him to do? And so us pastors very spiritually avoid that topic all too often. At least this one does. And so I felt like God said to me, New Year's Eve, pray for miracles. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the miraculous. God offers us the miraculous. The Holy Spirit is at work today, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not some, we've talked about this before, but I'm just reiterating. The Holy Spirit is not some eerie, spooky thing that we don't quite understand and is not quite as powerful as God the Father. The Holy Spirit is God. And is at work in and through us and in the earth. His presence is here. And he wants to do the work of the Father in our lives. And so we're going to invite him to do that today. Um, the Bible is full of stories of God's miracle working ability. I grew up as a pastor's kid. If you don't know me, my dad was a pastor too. My grandfather was a pastor. Um, his father was not. Um, I grew up learning about the miracle of Jesus through arch books. Anybody remember arch books? They were little books that told all the Bible stories in like a Sunday school fashion. And we would read them at my house. We'd read them. That were our bedtime stories. I learned about the miracles of Jesus in the Bible through arch books. That was the way my parents taught scripture to me. At a very early age, I learned that Jesus calmed the storm. That he fed 5,000 people. That he healed people. That he helped his friends catch fish. Uh, so many fish that their boat almost sank. Uh, I heard, I, I read about him meeting this wee little man named Zacchaeus. I read all kinds of miracle working stories. I read about he, that he died and he rose again three days after that. I loved those books. I, I don't remember which one was my favorite, but I loved hearing about Jesus' superpowers. And, and for a kid, when you read the miraculous work of God, it's superpowers. And so, I, I, to this day, if I see an arch book, it floods back the memories of all those famous stories. I don't remember which one. Which one is yours? Which miracle of Jesus is your favorite to read about or to hear about? Anyone? Stop the storm. Who else? What's that? Driving out demons. Uh, fish and loaves, feeding 5,000. What else? Ah, heating the bleeding woman. Any other favorites? Healing the leper. Okay. So we read these stories. We know them. There's so many. There's so many experiences in the New Testament of Jesus' miraculous power over nature. In fact, we talked about that earlier this year during our first trimester is Jesus' power over nature. And I think we know that. We know those stories. There's so many bedtime stories. In my early years, that is what the power of Jesus, is, Jesus was. The superpowers of Jesus, that's what it was. It was a bedtime story. 
And I think for too, for too many of us, for too many Christians, and not that I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm being factual, I'm, I'm being honest, I think that's where the miraculous power of Jesus stays. For too many of us, it's a bedtime story that we've heard. They're cool to think about, but they don't carry a lot of relevance for today. And as I've gotten older... I've seen the miraculous workings power of Jesus displayed in my life. I've experienced Jesus' power. And, and that's an important and a very scary element. When we experience the miraculous power of Jesus, things stop being bedtime stories. They stop being about childhood books. Doubts fade and our lives are really changed. There's a story like this in the book of John, chapter 9, and we're going to read it. It's 25 verses, which is a little bit longer than we would typically read of a passage. But I'll put the words behind me and, and stay with me as we go through this story, please. It says, as he went along, that he is Jesus there, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Excuse me. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, He spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva. Sometimes the miraculous workings of Jesus are dirty. Sometimes God works in ways that are a little less clean than we'd like it to happen. And so Jesus spits on the ground and he makes some mud. Puts it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't that the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, that's me. I'm that man. How then are your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and told me to go to Siloam and to wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on his eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man and said, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes that were opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe. (laughs) I like this. 
They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for his parents. They were convinced there was a conspiracy. Do you know any conspiracy people? The Pharisees in this moment are like, this guy's been acting blind his whole life. He wasn't really blind. And so this is a trick that we've been, that's been working for years and years and years. But they call his parents and, uh, is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. See what his parents are doing there? They're like running away from the controversy. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Verse 25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. The thing I know is this. I was blind and now I'm not. If you're new with us this morning... Well, I want to thank you for being here. Today's service is a little different than normal, and I hope you enjoy it. And I encourage you to participate in at whatever level you feel comfortable. We're very glad you're here. We're going to end this service a little different. We're going to pray for the miraculous in a few minutes. And so that if that makes you feel uncomfortable, please bear with us. We're not weird. Promise. There... But see, there's a difference between hearing about a miracle worker and experiencing the miraculous. So this morning, I want to share with you just a couple of experiences I've had of the miraculous in my life. Because there's difference between hearing someone tell you that God loves you and God's at work in this world. And when you experience that God loves you and God's at work in your world, it changes the way you see things. In 19, in 19, I believe it was 1996, uh, I was 22 years old, foolish, young, and full of vigor. And some people in my church announced a missions trip, and I went, I'm all for missions trips, so I was going. And the missions trip was to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. We were going to go street witnessing in the middle of the biggest party the, world, the, uh, the United States hosts. And if you know anything about Mardi Gras in, in, during, uh, in New Orleans, you don't know anything about New Orleans during Mardi Gras, it's chaos. It's, it's debauchery. It's, it's just a degradation of sin everywhere. And so into the middle of this, groups of Christians will go and will doing different 
uh, in a number of different ways that they would do this. They'll go try to talk to people. And so I went and we, the group that I was with, we would go and we would talk to people. And during the daytime, we would spend time in Jackson Square. Now, Jackson Square is a place that's famous for coffee. I don't really like coffee. So I really didn't have anything uh, enjoyable for me, but I would try to talk to people. It's also famous for a place, uh, there's a coffee place called Cafe Du Monde that has world-famous beignets. I don't like coffee, but beignets were wonderful. And so I would sit at Cafe Du Monde with water and beignets or hot chocolate, and people would look at me like I weird, and I would just talk to people. Talk to people. And uh, we were there. Mardi Gras ends on Tuesday None of the Christian organizations stay till Tuesday because it's too wild. So we were leaving Monday night. And on Monday night, we were, uh, it was probably 2, 2.30 in the morning. We had d- done talking to people and uh, we, had, we had met, had some incredible stories. We had met one person who was from the town our church was in. Um, and uh, just talking to people about how Jesus loves them. And it's about 2, 2.30 in the morning and we're walking through the deserted streets of New Orleans back to our, our center where we meet. And uh, behind us, there were five of us, we were walking, three people were on the curb, two people, I was on the street. Behind us, we hear this car revving, revving, and it comes up, and it swerves to try to run us over. Now, that seems weird, but there were no deer for it to be avoiding. It literally swerved to run us over. And one of the guys on the curb uh, heard this, and he grabbed me by the collar, and he pulled me onto the onto, – he was strong, he's a strong guy. He pulled me on onto the curb, and the car didn't hit me. And we just – okay, that was weird. Crazy people in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And so – we went about our business and we came home and we told all, I went to church the next Sunday and told all the testimonies of our trip. And after church, the pastor's wife of the church that we were pastoring, she uh, said, what happened to you Monday night at about 2.30? We hadn't talked about that story. There was no way she could have known. But she said, I don't know what happened, but, God, but I woke up in the middle of the night and God had me praying for you. And I know something was going on, and I'd like to know what I was praying about at 2.30 in the morning for you specifically. And we looked at the, those of us who were there, we looked at each other, and we remembered the car that had swerved to run us over. And I don't have any scientific evidence of a correlation between her waking up and my life and my, me not getting hit by a car, but I know that when she prayed for me, I didn't get hit by a car. She was in New Jersey. I was in Louisiana. We had no contact, but she woke up and she prayed for me. Side note. Actually, this happened to me today. Bob Miller texted me at about 7 o'clock this morning. He said, I don't know why, but you're on my heart this morning. When someone's on your heart to pray for them, God's talking to you. Pray for them. You might not even know to pray. God, here's a a good prayer to pray when that happens. God, whatever's happening, I'm praying for them. Holy Spirit, be with them. When we experience God's presence, it changes us. That marked me. I don't have a great memory. I'm terrible at remembering things. For instance, Doc was supposed to lead communion this morning. 
But I forgot to talk to him about it before when we walked in. And so when I'm looking at him and he's looking, we didn't time it right. So I just came down because I'm really bad at remembering things. But when God does something in your life, you can't forget it. Several years ago, I think it was probably 2000. Was Jack born, Joy, when that prophecy was prophesied over me? So I was, so this is probably 2012, 2013. Um, my in, I was working for an insurance company. I was running a title insurance company in the mortgage industry and uh, just kind of plowing through life. And I was miserable, hated it, hated it. Because I knew it wasn't exactly where I was supposed to be. I knew God had created me for a purpose. And I had had some things, some of you have heard of the story, that I felt like made that purpose not really possible anymore. And so I was providing for my family-ish and doing the best I can, but I wasn't really enjoying life. And I was kind of numb to everything. And my, and my in-laws had a, had a gathering of some of their church friends at their house, and they invited us to go. And I wanted no part of being there. No part of being there. Um, but I went because I'm a really good son-in-law. If you ever hear anything different, don't buy it. And so while we were there, this, this, honestly, I think I was, I'm all, that experience, that night is almost like a trance to me. I don't really remember much about it, but everybody else who was there remembers it. And the person who was sharing that night started praying for people and he walked over to me and I don't know, really remember what I expected, but he started prophesying over me. And he talked about how that God had taken me away for a season, but that he was redirecting me back to my purpose and that he was going to restore the years that the locust had stolen and that there was a new direction that he had for us and he had for me specifically. And the next day, Joy said to me, what do you think about what was prophesied over you? And honestly, I didn't really remember much. And she's like, this is what he said, and something was happening. And then other, my father-in-law and other people who were there that night, like he prayed for a lot of people. He prophesied over a lot of people. But there's something that happened when he prophesied over me. To the point that other people took notice. Yes, James, I'm getting emotional. My kids chart when I start to cry. Hard to watch your dad preach all the time. Something so significant happened in the, in the spiritual realm that night that everybody else who was there took notice of what happened. And they started to just chart what he talked about. And it was within two or three months that I start, my heart started melting to about coming back into ministry. And I never correlated that night, that prophecy to that thing. But they all did. It was like they were having some secret text chain behind, see what's happening now? See what's, see what's happening? Remember what Bob said about, about Jason? Remember? It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Because when you experience the presence, the miraculous, it's different than when you just hear about the miracle worker. It's no longer a bedtime story. And so you start to be able to have faith that God's going to do incredible things. 
When you experience the power of Jesus in your life, you expect to experience the power of Jesus in your life. It wasn't long after that, or it was right around that time, that Joy went to the daycare to pick up Jack one day. Or, yeah, I don't remember all the stories. When she got there, something bad was happening. Um, a tragedy happened in the place. One of the child didn't wake up. And the child's mother worked there in another classroom, and she walked into the tragedy as it's unfolding. And she had just, she had just kind of been talking to her friends about how she believed she was going to see God do incredible things. And so in the moment, she sees all this happening, and she immediately knows, this is why God has me here, because I'm going to pray, and that baby's going to get raised from the dead. And she believes it as much as she could believe anything. And the baby didn't come back. And it wrecked Joy for a long time. Not that that's about us. Obviously, it wrecked the parents. The whole school was devastated. Sometimes when we pray for the miraculous, we don't see it. I can't promise you in just a few minutes that I'm going to pray for you and everything you were asking for just happens automatically. And it was over time that Joy began to be able to talk to a lot of the people in those place, in, from that place. And she even talked to the mom and had this experience. And when she talked to the mom, the mom was pregnant. And there was some restoration that was taking place. Obviously, you never get fully over from something like that. But over time, God, Joy began to realize she wasn't there to pray for the baby to come back. She was there to be with the people who were going through the tragedy. And so she was able to support them over years. I, it, was really, it was really a tough time. And I tell you, it's a weird story to tell when you're believing for the miraculous, but I want you to know there's no formula to this. There's no, if I believe this much and I do this, God's going to come through in the way I want him to. But that doesn't mean we stop asking. We pray for miracles. And when they don't happen, we keep praying for them. And when they don't happen, we keep praying for them. And when we're praying for somebody who's praying for for it and it doesn't happen, we're there to care, concern, love, support, be there with them, walk through the difficult period with them, and keep praying because God's going to do something. It might not be what we thought, but God is at work in our world. God is sovereign. Ultimately, this story is his story, not ours. And faith is, a, is required no matter what the result is. One last experience that I've had that I continue to have. This isn't a one-time story. It's a continuous story. It doesn't mean that it's been easy. But God has always proven himself faithful to Joy and I even when it seemed impossible, particularly in the area of our finances. Joy and I laugh now from our early times of marriage because there were days, there were Sundays where we would drive home from church, uh, from the church I worked at, and payday was Friday and it was Sunday, and we would have $5 to make it through the week. 
And so we'd go to Wegmans and we'd get $1 worth, $1 packages of pasta and jars of sauce and we'd finagle it and we'd somehow make it. And those were faith building, character building stories for us that we learned in those early moments of our marriage that God is faithful. And it was just the two of us in those are cool stories. Oh, we like journey through the difficulty together. And then we had kids. They ought to tell you. You should have money before you have kids. Jonah was born and it was wonderful and we were in between, like I was transitioning uh, careers and making very little money from Whole Foods and we were, um, and we were coming home from the hospital to bring Jonah home. And we were going through the empty rooms I was taking all of the diapers from the that the hospital because they send you home with some, and it wasn't going to be enough. And we had two literally two dollars and forty seven cents in our bank account. We didn't have any gas, and we had no money to buy diapers. How's that going to work? It's not. I hope we don't run out of gas on our way home with our newborn baby. And we didn't. And at the door, at the door, when we got home, was cases of diapers. God doesn't abandon you. He doesn't stop loving you. And he is at work to be provide for you and to ma- do the miraculous in your life. We've seen that testimony of our finances over and over. Some of you are like, why do you keep having no money? More my fault than hers. I would say to you this morning, what does it seem... What seems impossible to you? Is it a healing that just doesn't seem like it's coming? Is it finances where you just don't know how you're going to get over the hump to make it so that you're not living paycheck to paycheck? Is it the restoration of a relationship with a family member or a child or a sibling or a parent that just, it's not going to work? Is the miraculous power, superpower of Jesus a bedtime story for you or is it something that you've experienced? Nathan, can you come? We're going to pray that the miraculous is not a story to you, but something that you've experienced. And so we're going to do this a little different. I'm actually, and if you're new with us, welcome to family day at FDC. I'm, just, I'm actually going to invite as, as many people who are comfortable forward, come forward. And I'm going to pray a pastoral prayer over us as a church. 
And then we're going to, uh, the worship team is going to be here and we're going to start to worship and we're going to, we're going to not have a release today. But if you're here after this pastoral prayer and you want specific prayer from myself or one of the elders, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to, if you're not necessarily here to, to, you don't need anything prayed for, I encourage you to worship with the worship team and we're going to invite God's presence. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe God's going to do stuff. And so would you stand? In fact, would you stand and would you come and find, there's plenty of areas down here. Would you come and find a place down here where we could uh, pray together? I was listening to a podcast this morning and um, it was talking about the story of Saul or Paul when, when scales fell from his eyes. He meets Jesus on the road to Tarsus and the result of his meeting with Jesus is he goes blind. He goes blind and he goes, his friends were taken by hand into the city of, uh, uh, and, they, and he's hanging out, doesn't eat for three days. And When he's prayed for after those three days, it says something like scales falls from his eyes and the, and the Holy Spirit fills him. And immediately he goes and starts preaching about Jesus in the temple courts. He had met Jesus three days before. The meeting of Jesus was a special thing for him, but it didn't change his life. It was when Jesus healed him that he could not talk about him. He doesn't go blind and start preaching, but when the scales from his eyes and Jesus heals him, something happens in him and he starts to say, I can't not talk about this. When we experience the power of Jesus in our lives, it's different than when we hear about it. And so we have to come to a place where we open up the opportunity to experience the power of Jesus. And so let me pray. Jesus, I don't know the right words right now. But I believe we're here in obedience, and I believe you want to do the miraculous. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray you would just begin to move. I pray that people would be healed. I pray that, that uh, Lord, I pray for dawn. Right now, I pray, even as she's home, Working through the, the side effects, I pray that there would be, they would be gone. I pray for people who, have, who, who don't have any money and they don't know how they're going to get to the next paycheck. God, I pray for a miraculous provision. You gave the disciples fish, enough fish to almost sink their boat. God, you could provide in the miraculous. I pray for restoration of relationships. God, I pray for right now for people who just don't believe. God, if there's anybody here who just 
It's a nice story, but I don't... God, I pray that you would bring a revolution in their heart. That there would be nothing, that maybe the stories don't compel them, but the experience of your love would. And I pray that you would do incredible works. I'm going to invite you to, Nathan, would you lead us in that song? And uh, sing with us. We're going to sing, and then we're going to start to pray for people. And um, we'll go from there. Worthy of
I believe that God is wanting to do some things. So I think over the next couple of days, there's an opportunity where you may start to see things happen. I get the sense that there's somebody... Okay. All right. There's somebody here who is totally a broken relationship with a family member. And they're going to reach out to you in the next couple of days. Via text, I think. When they do, I think I want you to be encouraged to know that that's uh, the Lord working in that relationship. And so I'm not saying go overboard, but as an act of faith, lean into that. I think over the next couple of days, you may experience some things. And so I'm asking you to remember them. Because it's the, t- it's, it's the testimony of those experiences that, per- that er- builds hope in the people around you. And so that's what we're going to try to do this year is we're going to instill, we're going to pursue hope. We're going to instill hope. We're going to encourage each other by hope. I didn't know that hope was a theme for 2024, but it might be. And so as you experience things, big, small, Provisions, just let us know. And we're going to share them together and we're going to use them as ways to encourage people. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that your power, your superpower brings hope. I pray that our church would be marked as a place where people find hope. That your, that your power would be on display here. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, I, I encourage you to happy new year. You're welcome to stay and hang out and encourage each other. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next Sunday.
Your presence. 